Let's take our Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 5 this evening. Matthew 5, as we continue looking at the Sermon on the Mount, as Jesus here is giving some lessons in discipleship to his disciples and, and really teaching them what it means to, to live for the Lord. Now he's going to say some things here that certainly apply as well to unbelievers and their need for salvation, but there's some principles for us as saved children of the Lord as well. And so Matthew 5, we'll begin reading in uh, verse number 27. If you're there, would you stand with me if you're able to as we read this passage of Scripture together. Jesus says, You have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery, but I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, tonight I pray that you would give us clarity and understanding of your word tonight. By your spirit, help us to see the teaching of Jesus clearly and understand it but Lord, also would you help us to apply these things in our lives. And I pray for each and every one who is here. And Lord, the reality is that probably every one of us have some needs in our lives spiritually that we need your help with. Would you help us to see tonight that there is nothing worth not being right with you. And help us to be willing to make whatever sacrifice is necessary that we could be where you want us to be. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So Jesus here opens this particular portion of the passage of the message by saying something we've mentioned already a few times, the, the comparing the Old Testament commandment of thou shalt not commit adultery with really the New Testament principle, if you will, as he's showing them that God's law and God's commandments are not just uh, external uh, commandments, but actually that they deal with issues of the heart. And we've talked about that. Even last week we talked about the fact that the Bible says that being angry with your brother without a cause and, and, and having hatred and animosity toward one another in God's eyes is the same as murder. And he, he takes this and he, he takes it a step further. And he says, uh, you've heard that it hath been said, thou shalt not commit adultery. And again, uh, many people can say, well, I've never committed adultery. But then he, he takes and he raises the bar and he goes to the heart of the issue. And he says, but I say unto you that, that whosoever looketh on a, a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. In other words, God looks at it and it's, it's not that he's just looking at the outward appearance and, and the actual actions of an individual, but he's actually looking deep within and looking at your heart. 
And his standard is much higher than ours. And we understand these principles, and it's something that we've been talking about for some time. God is not only concerned about what you do, but he, he's concerned about your motivations, and he, he's concerned about your thought life, and he's concerned about the things that are taking place inside where no one else can see. But I want to focus in tonight on this statement that he made in verses 29 and 30. Because he says, if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And so here he's talking really about the issue of, uh, of salvation and and, and if you remember, he just said in verse 28, he, he talked about the problem with lust. And then he brings it to the issue of the eye. And he says that if there's, if there's something that is, if it is your eye that is causing you to be offended, if, there's, if, if it's your eye that is keeping you from being saved, if it's a, a stronghold with sin that you say, well, I just, I really don't have power or control over this, and Jesus says, well, if, it'd be better for you to take that eye that's, that's causing you to sin and, and, and pluck it out of your head and, and cast it away from you rather than going to hell. That's a pretty powerful statement. And then he says in verse number 30, if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off. I mean, if there's something in your life that is keeping you from being right with God, it's not worth it. Get rid of it. Get it out of your life because you would rather enter into life not being a whole physical body than you would being cast into hell with all your members intact. And folks, I just want to say to you tonight, and I, and I don't know anyone's heart here, but the reality is that we might have some people who are sitting here in this room tonight that you know that things aren't right between you and God, and you're lost, and you've never been saved, but there's something standing in your way. There's something that you're clinging to and holding on to, and you're saying, I just can't seem to let go of this. Maybe it is a sin that's keeping you from yielding to Christ, because you, you don't think that you could ever give that up. Maybe it's a religion and, and, and you think, boy, I, I just I want to put some confidence and trust in this religion or this religious experience. Or maybe it's your own good works. And you say, well, I, I just can't seem to let go of that. I can't seem to deny that, that my good works are making me right with God. I can't admit to, to God that, that my sin has separated between me and Him and that I must be saved. Maybe there's a relationship in your life. You say, boy, if I ever uh, uh, were to get saved, it would, it would harm this relationship, and I just can't do that. I was in Thailand in 2008, and we passed out a lot of uh, gospel literature. I couldn't communicate with the vast majority of people there. However, I came up on this, this one young man. He was probably 18 or 19 years old, and he was a Buddhist monk. One of the things that they will do there, obviously Thailand is primarily a Buddhist country, and, and one of the things that they will do is in their early years, before they get married and settle down, they'll dedicate a year or two of their life, and they'll serve as kind of a, a, a monk. They kind of set aside uh, some of the, I guess, progress of their life to, to dedicate to their religion, and, 
and it's considered a respectable and honorable thing. It's kind of similar to maybe what the Mormons would do early on in their adult life where they'd go on their mission and, and take some time and do that. That's kind of what they do. They, they dedicate some time to being a monk for a while before their life really goes on. Well, I ran into this young man, and that's uh, what he was. He was wearing the full uh, orange kind of uh, robe-like thing that they wear over there. And, and I went to pass him a gospel track, and he took it, and he started to speak to me in English. His English was very good. And we, we started having a conversation. And I started talking to him about the gospel and, 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 and truth and and some of the shortcomings of his religion that, that really, in their mind, there is no such thing as absolute truth. And, and just some of those things. And I started walking through the gospel with him and, and showing him the scriptures. And if you've ever experienced this before, you would understand what I'm talking about when I say it was obvious to me that his eyes were being opened to truth. He, he was not just understanding intellectually, but there was something within his spirit that he knew this is the truth. There's something right about this. And, and I could see him coming under conviction and really considering uh, his condition before God. And, and in the course of our conversation, a after we had spent a, a long amount of time, I don't know how long talking about the gospel, he looked at me and he said, I believe that what you're telling me is true. And I believe that I need to place my faith in Jesus and, and believe on him. And he said, I really want to do that. But he said, you have to understand, in our culture, as long as your parents are living, if, if you were to change religions and your upbringing, that would be considered dishonoring your parents. And it would be bringing great shame into your family. And he said, I just can't do that to my, to my father. And he said, someday, when my father dies, I will accept Christ. But until then, I can't. And it was heartbreaking to watch this man make a conscious decision to reject Christ because of a relationship, an earthly relationship, that he was concerned was going to be damaged. And certainly, it probably would have been. But folks, I want to say to you, whether it's a relationship or a religion, or some confidence that you have in your own good works, or some kind of a stronghold for sin, whatever it is that is keeping you from coming to Christ and salvation, it is not worth it. You do not want to spend all of eternity in torment, in the lake of fire, with regrets, wishing that you would have turned to Christ before it was too late. And Jesus is saying if there's something in your way, something keeping you from being right with God, get rid of it, even if it costs you something. No one wants to lose their eyesight, but it'd be better to lose your eyesight and get saved than to keep your eyes and go to hell. Nobody wants to lose their hands or their limbs, but it'd be better to do that than to keep them and, and to die and, and live for, for all of eternity in a, in a Christless existence. It's not worth it. Whatever it is that's keeping you from coming to Christ, friend, it is not worth it. Turn to Christ today. Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. And before it is too late, turn to Christ. And so he uses that example. If thy, if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off. Get rid of it. Whatever it is that's in your way, 
But I want you to uh, take a moment here, and I, I want to just speak to the, those who are saved. You say, well, I know that I am saved. I know that I'm a child of God. Praise the Lord for that. But the same is true for you and I. There is nothing in this life that is worth giving up the opportunity to be right with God and be in fellowship with Him. The, this word, if you look at verse 29, if thy right eye offend thee, the, the, the Greek word is skandalizo. It's the word where we get scandalized. And it literally means to be a stumbling block. If there is something in your life that, that is causing you to be taken into captivity, if there's something in your life that is causing you to stumble, something in your life that is causing you to sin and, and, and is in between you and God... You need to deal with that, and you need to get rid of that. And folks, the reality is that many of us, maybe all of us here, have some things in our lives that we struggle with, some areas of sin that maybe we're more tempted and, and, and have more of a propensity in that way than we would in other ways. And I just want to say to you, if there is something in your life that, that has a hold on you and is keeping you from being what you ought to be for God, deal with it now so that you don't regret it later. And I want to take your attention, if I can, and go to the book of 2 Corinthians, and chapter number 10. 2 Corinthians 10 speaks of that spiritual battle that we face and, 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 and how we deal with those strongholds in our lives. And notice it says here in 2 Corinthians 10, beginning in verse number 3, it says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Now this is important because just in case someone was going to go home and say, well, I really have a, a problem with lust and so I need to physically pluck out my eyes. That's not what the Bible is teaching us, right? We walk in the flesh, but we don't war after the flesh. We don't solve a spiritual problem by fleshly means. All right, so when Jesus is talking about plugging out your eye or cutting off your hand, he's obviously not speaking in a literal sense that you're supposed to literally physically uh, mutilate your body. That wouldn't be pleasing to the Lord. But the idea is that you're supposed to deal with this issue. So even though we walk after the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not fleshly, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now that's a mouthful, but I want you to think about this for a moment. He says we, we've got this spiritual battle that we're in, and we have a need to be pulling down these strongholds, to, to be literally taking back territory that Satan has gained in our lives. That concept of, of pulling down strongholds, that's, a, that's a, a war or a battle reference. When you look at these, uh, these strongholds, these uh, fortresses that the enemy has built as they've conquered territory and land, and they have dug in and, and, and they've kind of staked their claim on, on, on land, the idea of pulling down strongholds is to go into those places and tear them down and take back territory. 
And folks, there may be some Christian folks here tonight that just Satan has, has had his way in certain areas in your life. And there are certain strongholds that, that he's been able to build and territory that he has taken that once was under the control of the Holy Spirit of God, but, but today it's not. And, and, and you would have to say, that's an area I've been defeated by the enemy. And, and I just want you to know that if you're a child of God tonight, you don't have to live in defeat. You have the ability through God, uh, the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and you have the opportunity to take back some territory that Satan may have gotten in your life, some of those strongholds. How do you do that? How, how is it, preacher, that I could ever uh, take back, I, I mean, I've, I'm just in so much bondage to this particular sin, I can't seem to overcome it. How could I ever get past this? Notice what he says in verse number 5. Casting down imaginations. If we just stop there for a moment, let me just say, so much of the battle for your life takes place in your mind and in your heart. So much of it has to do with the things that you dwell on, the things that you think about, the things that consume your mind and your time and your meditation. He says, casting down imaginations and, listen to this, every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. You know what he's saying? Anything in your life that is in competition with knowing God and his will, anything that is in competition needs to go. Let me say that again. Anything in your life that is competing with the knowledge of God in your life, needs to go. What did Paul say? That as we run this race, that we are to lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. You know what that means? Sometimes the things that detract us and deter us from God's will and purpose in our life are sin. Directly uh, disobedient commands, you know, we're, we're disobeying God's commands. It's sin that easily besets us. However, sometimes it's not directly sin in and of itself, but it's a weight. It's something that is holding us back from being what God wants us to be. And the reality is, folks, that there are things that other people might be able to participate in, be involved with, and it doesn't hinder them in their walk with God. I don't know. It's between them and God. But there are some of those things that I cannot participate in. Because I know what they do. I know how they get a hold of my mind, how they grab my attention, how they compete against the knowledge of God in my life. Things that take away my, the, the time that I would spend in fellowship with the Lord. Things that keep me from being in a state of continual prayer and fellowship with God. Things that become idols in my life. And I know that those things must be cast down and those things must go. And there are things that I don't do today that, that I used to do and enjoy. And it wasn't that they were sin or, or, or wicked, but in my life, they were things that were exalting themselves against the knowledge of God. And the only way to deal with something that is exalting itself against the knowledge of God in your life is to tear it down, cast it out, get rid of it, because there is nothing worth in this life that could ever be worth not being right with God. Nothing. Nothing. I don't care what it is. A hobby. A relationship. A job. Some entertainment. 
Whatever it might be, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. If thy right eye scandalize, cause you to stumble, uh, trip you up, get rid of it. I'll be honest and admit that there, there are things that have been in my life just kind of holding me back from, from being what God wants me to be. And, and my excuse to them was, well, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with this thing. There's nothing sinful about that. But in my mind and in my heart, I knew that was keeping me really from, from being as close to God as I should be. And folks, those things have to go. Casting down in imaginations and, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And then look at the next part. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Every thought is to be brought into captivity. Uh, I, I've, I've talked to my kids about it this way and tried to uh, kind of illustrate it in, in, a, in a way like this. Think of your mind as, as though it's a guarded, uh, you know, important place. Think of like the, the White House or, or, or something like that where you've got important people there that need to be protected. And so you set guards there. And no one is allowed through the front doors until they've been thoroughly examined and checked to make sure that this person has a reason to be here, that they're not here to do any harm, that they don't have any weapons on them that are going to uh, potentially cause harm to others within the building, and there's been some kind of a background check. We know that this is someone who's trustworthy. You guard that, and you actually would take someone who wanted to enter into a place like that, and you would detain them for a moment. How many of you have flown recently? Uh, how many of you have, have flown on an airplane since 9-11? Yeah, anyone ever been detained or pulled aside? Uh, I have. And, uh, and sometimes you get just pulled aside and questioned, you know, where are you going and, and, and what is in your luggage and those types of things because they're trying to guard and protect and keep things from people from causing damage. And folks, it's, no, it's really no different with our mind. You need to understand every day thousands of thoughts enter your mind. And many of those thoughts can cause damage. Many of those thoughts that come into your mind could, could begin to, to create some strongholds if you're not careful for the enemy. And so the, the admonition from Scripture is to do this, to, to, to detain those thoughts when they come in. When they enter into the mind, what are you supposed to do? Bring into captivity every thought. Pull it aside for a moment and consider, does this thought belong here? Is this a rightful place? Before I meditate on this, before I dwell on this and, and think on this, is this something that is going to exalt the Lord in my mind and draw me closer to Him, or is this going to compete against the knowledge of God? Is this going to exalt itself against the knowledge of God in my life? And folks, if it is, I need to cast it down. I need to get rid of it and say, get out of here. You say, well, I can't really control uh, what goes on in my mind. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible actually tells us what we ought to think on. Philippians 4 goes through an entire list of things that we ought to think on. You can control 
what goes on in your mind. And this is what Jesus is saying. If you've got this excuse, well, I can't control uh, my lust, and I've talked to guys like this. You know, I'm just a, uh, I, I'm just a, a human being. I'm a red-blooded male, you know, and, and uh, man, I can't control some attractive woman walks in front of my eyes. I can't control it. Well, Jesus got rid of that, didn't he? If your eye offends, you pluck it out. I mean, you, you've got to get control of this situation. If there's a stronghold, if there's something in your life, get control of it because it's not worth it. Friend, you don't want to come to the end of your life with regret. And go with me if you would. We're in 2 Corinthians. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse number 9. And notice what it says here. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. That's a pretty long list. And some of you might look at that and go, oh man, I've been involved in a lot of those things. But notice what he says here, and such were some of you. But ye are washed, ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And I would say to that, praise God, hallelujah, I was one of those that had no inheritance in the kingdom of God because of my sin. But I've been saved. I've been washed. I've been cleansed. He's, he's forgiven me of that. And now, look at the next phrase here. Verse 12. All things are lawful unto me. All things are lawful unto me. Let me just make this really clear for you. All means all. As a saved, born-again child of God, washed in His blood, imputed with the righteousness of Christ, there is nothing that I can do that would separate me from God in, a, in the sense of where I would lose my salvation. Nothing. All things are lawful. Christ has already fulfilled the law on my behalf. Isn't that good to know? There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. I'm thankful. I'm not condemned. All things are lawful. But notice what he says here. But all things are not expedient. That word expedient means to be helpful, useful, good, beneficial. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Just in case someone tells you, boy, you know, there's no condemnation and we're under grace and you don't have to worry about how you live. No, no, no. You need to be concerned about something. Yes, I'm saved. I'm blood-bought, I am his child, I'm on my way to heaven. But there is still opportunity, opportunity for me to be brought under the power of sin and wickedness. And I need to determine in my heart that I will not be brought under its power. Therefore, that means that there are some things that I need to guard myself against. And there are some issues that I need to get out of my life so that those things don't start becoming strongholds 
and keeping me from being right with God. As we go back to Romans, just a few pages back, Romans chapter 6 deals with a similar issue and it talks about how we're free from sin. We are not what we used to be, but really then that gives us a responsibility to make sure that we're living up to that which God has given to us. It says in verse 6, Romans 6, 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Those are some powerful words. You need to consider, reckon yourself to be dead with Christ. And then look what he says in verse number 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but unto gra under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. So Christian friend, you are free from the bondage of sin. In a positional way, in a spiritual sense, you are free from the bondage to sin. Now your concern needs to be to not yield yourself to sin and become its servant once again. Don't give in to your flesh. Now, here's the, here's the other side of that. If you're tempted to sin, let's just say you've got an addiction. And you've got a temptation to sin. And you say, I'm not going to yield to this sin. I'm not going to give in to that. What keeps you from falling into that? Sheer willpower? Determination? Conviction? Can I tell you, if that's all that you have to keep you from sinning, you will lose the battle every time. Do you know what one of the greatest truths is that you can learn as a Christian? The answer to getting victory over sin is not to try harder. That's a strange statement, isn't it? The answer to getting victory over sin is not to try harder. The answer is actually to yield to the right one. We are invited and called to yield to the Spirit of God. We are told that we are to walk 
in the Spirit. We are told that we are to be filled with the Spirit. And in Galatians 5, it tells us that if we will walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So we have an opportunity. Who are we going to yield to? Are we going to yield to the flesh or are we going to yield to God? If you, in your own flesh, in your own strength, are trying to battle against your flesh, you're going to lose. But if rather than fighting harder, you will determine, you know what, I'm going to submit myself to God. I'm going to yield to Him. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm going to put myself in that position where the Lord is in control. You know what? The weapons of my warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. James tells us that if we'll submit ourselves to God, we can resist the devil and he'll flee from us. The problem is often we quote that and we say, resist the devil and he will flee from you. But that's not what it says. It says, first, submit yourself to God. I am no match for the devil. And I can resist him all I want. But I'm going to lose. <laughs> but if I'll submit myself to God, then he comes along and Satan is no match for him. And he flees. And folks... You have an opportunity to overcome and to pull down some strongholds. And the answer really is simple. Submit yourself to God. Yield yourself to Him. Surrender to Him. Not just in a, in a blanket way where you come to an altar and you say, Okay, Lord, I submit to you and all your problems go away. But it means literally in every moment of every day, I am actively submitting myself to Him. I'm yielding to Him and His will in my life. Lord, th this temptation has presented itself again. I want to yield myself to You. I want to submit myself to You. And day by day, moment by moment, every decision you make, every step you take, you're submitting yourself to Him. And what does He say in verse number 16? Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves, servants to obey, His servants ye are to whom ye obey. Yield yourself to God, you'll be the servant of God. Yield yourself to sin, and you'll be the servant of sin. One more place I want to take you, Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to look at verse number 5. It says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which, sake, which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them, but now ye also put off all these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in, the, in knowledge after the image of him that created him. What's he saying? You need to mortify, to, to put to death your members which are upon the earth. If thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. If thy right hand offend thee, cut it off. Mortify your members. Put, put them to death. Put to death your, your body, your, your flesh. Put off the old man 
and put on the new man. Put on Christ. You say, how do I do that? It really is a matter, friend. It, it's, it really is simple. I didn't say it's easy. I said it's simple. Get up tomorrow morning, and the first thing you do, submit yourself to God. And as you go throughout the day, you're making your morning coffee, and you're getting ready for work, submit yourself to God. And you get in your car, and you drive to work, and you're submitting yourself to God, and you're putting on the new man, and you're walking in Him, and you're filling your mind with the truth of God's Word, and you're continuing in a state of prayerfulness before the Lord, you're putting on the new man, and you're walking in the Spirit. And you know what happens? Sin has no more dominion over you. Because you're controlled by the Spirit of God. So friend, I don't know what your need is here tonight, but I do know this. There's nothing in this world that is worth getting in the way of your relationship with God. Nothing. If you're here tonight and you've never been saved, there is nothing that I would go to hell for. Nothing. If there's something holding you back, get rid of it. Friend, it's not worth it. But if you're here tonight, you are saved. And there's some strongholds in your life, some things where Satan has just kind of taken some territory and, 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 and maybe you've, you've lost some battles and you maybe even feel defeated and feel like there's no hope to overcome this. I want to tell you there is hope in Christ. The weapons of your warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Yield yourself to Him and don't let anything, anything get in the way of your relationship and fellowship with Him.